When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hey, Jenny. You know me. You know I love to gamble. And normally, I mean, you know this, right? I do. I mean, we normally... Yeah, so the biggest gamble I'll take frequently, I'll take gambles like I will, um, I'll order truck stop sushi. <laughs> that's, a, that's a big gamble. That's a, yeah, like airport sushi, you know, same. Or I'll, um, I'll online date with somebody who's been really heavily filtered. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So those are my online gambles. But for sports betting, I mean, whether it's the NFL or the NBA, or uh, um, Major League Baseball. You know, for me, the place I go to is betonline.ag. It's the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Oh, you're telling me, being a Houston Astro fan, I know that's not popular right now because of the cheating, but whatevs. Baseball season is in full swing, and you can track all the action happening on betonline.ag. Yeah, and I'm a novice, so like, it's also a great place to get the news odds on for all of your sporting needs. I don't think they do um, ice dancing yet, but I think it's coming. (laughs) And, uh, but for the major sports, your major league baseball, your NBA, your NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Which I know you're a huge fan of violence. God, all of it. Uh, But I'm here to tell you, but you'll get real time updated odds, props on almost anything you can imagine with betonline.ag. Yeah, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets. And here's the thing. You'd think that would cost something like a fortune to sign up, but you'd be wrong. It's free to sign up. It is totally 100% free. And I'm here to tell you, before you even see another pitcher walk on the mound, head to BetOnline dot ag on your laptop mobile device ipad kindle i don't know whatever you know yeah. works for you Flip and bonus. guess what take advantage 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit holy balls bet online they're your online sports expert you don't have to sit on the sidelines anymore you get in the action and use the promo code clns50 to receive a 50 percent Welcome bonus with your first deposit. That is CLNS50. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. 1000%. Everyone go immediately right now. Let's make some money. We've been we've all been sitting around just losing money during this pandemic. It's time yeah. to it's it's time for it to come back in our pockets. And that's what betonline.ag is here to do. There's no sure way to make money than to bet on sports. I always that's what that's how I was raised. I know that's how you were raised. And I think that's the most important thing in the world is sports and gambling. <laughs> and let's do it. Doing it. Do it. Get on this doing it nation. Betonline.ag and use the promo code CLNS50. C-O-I in apostrophe. <laughs> 
Every time hits you. Every time I'm wiping tears. Yeah, yeah. I'm Actually, like, I don't even want to be on camera right now because yes. I feel overwhelmed. You're so by emotional. Eli Braden's theme song for us. Thank you, Eli Braden. Again, we can't thank you enough. Although we've thanked you probably 500 times for that wonderful theme song. That was it. Was truly a a treat. Uh, hey, doing it, nation. Doing Boy. it. It's great to it's great to have you back. Um, getting nice feedback from you all, and uh, we love doing the show. And uh, today is no exception because we get to I personally get to meet some of my heroes. And uh, and Jenny was lucky enough to wrangle up just such a person. Jenny, I was. I'm telling you this now because you don't know her like I do, Danny. Yeah, I know. I get it. I you like know. bragging about that. She's my friend. No, I know. Maybe one day she could be your friend. But if you have ever enjoyed The Daily Show for even a second, this is the woman who is responsible. If you've ever enjoyed seeing Rachel Maddow, she's the person who gave us Rachel Maddow. She's written books. She's Liz motherfucking Winstead, everybody. Wow. Hi, the applause, the applause. The I'm so appreciative to be on your podcast um, and to be blabbing with you uh, just about everything. Oh, we're we truly happy to have you. You're you're quite a nab of a guest to get. Like, no, I'm not even a nab. I have to say that, like, first I have to say that, like, in my work, sometimes, you know, part of my work is activism. And I was doing a, a benefit for Planned Parenthood in Houston and Jenny showed up and was like the biggest champion and donator <laughs> and hung out with me when I was like, what am I going to do in Houston? And it was like Jenny to the rescue. I was the, yeah, I, I had to be the ambassador from, for H-Town for my city. And when I came to New York, you took me to a very lovely dinner in Brooklyn. That's right. That was so much fun. That was really, that was some, what was that? Do you remember the name of that restaurant? It was amazing. It was like, like was it something like the kitchen or? Uh, I don't I, remember. It was fantastic though. It, was it really wasn't good. the French joint no. around the corner from my house. It could have been. Um, if you said it, I would know it. I would have, I just want to know, like, I, you know, I would have shown up at the Planned Parenthood ra rally, but I, they, they, you know, I, they, they, I don't stand for what they stand for. I'm very against the mission of. Yeah, you're, well, you're very anti-parenthood. I'm very yeah. anti-parenthood. I mean, uh, you're anti-planning things. I don't yeah. like. No, I'm like. I'm, I, I, well, I, I, yeah, my my children were as unplanned. I mean, it was in vitro, <laughs> but we didn't plan it. You know, I just was nor. I was just jerking off into a cup just accidentally, and, and so you're like the president of unplanned parenthood. Um, unplanned uh uh no no children yeah i like the i, I just i like the idea of, of like you jerking off into a cup and being like hey honey maybe this is a thing yeah yeah like, i think this might be a thing you well, think one you, of our kids is in here or maybe two maybe this is a thing yeah. this is the interesting thing i'll just as a little side note but we did in vitro and we got like uh 
I think we had like six embryos we harvested and we implanted three and got twins. But every year I get a bill from the place because I still have the other feti on or you know embryos on ice like the those zygotes on ice so my twins were 23 years old have the i just thought like one day technology might get to the point where it's great and then one of my kids has a problem and then boom i can clone them a new arm maybe i don't know I, no, I like the way you think that's how that works but i think that's a great idea or you could just give them to nick Loeb because he seems to be oh my god <laughs> By the way, cut. I've but never seen someone, problem. I've never heard of someone that thirsty for embryos. He's so thirsty that he made a movie about like, just like, just any, he's a mess. That I'm just going to officially say Nick Loeb is a mess. Come I just want to, for, for, come, for, come for me, Nick Loeb. Yeah, for, for, for audience, that. For audience doesn't know Nick Loeb, and I think it bears repeating. So Nick Loeb, who I uh, had the sad, sad misfortune of knowing for a couple of years because he was dating someone very close to me on the show Modern Family, uh, um, uh, Sofia Vergara. And so <laughs> I, I was often in his presence. And even before this, when he's trying to like say, you know, sue for her, em the embryos. Right. Um, he was always a bit of a, a monster. And yeah. so, uh, and so it, it's good to see him in full flight. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah. And I have to say, uh, I, I'm pretty confident in saying that I believe she married up. Yeah. Joe, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah no, she definitely. Although I feel like she's the up and whoever marries her. I, yeah. think that's, I, I think that's absolutely true. Uh, but yeah, I mean, anything from Nick, anything after yeah. Nick is marrying up. Yeah, I, yeah. So, she uh, she dodges a bullet. We all have a Nick Loeb. Let's be honest. I mean, I mean, we I, all have some version of that, like just error in judgment, and that you were just like, I provided weenie garage space for that person, even if it was for a minute. You're like, what was I thinking? Yeah, I haven't right. done as much weenie garage. I did a little time in prison, but but <laughs> weenie my, garage. But I, there hasn't been as much weenie garage in my in my. Yeah. Life. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I mean, you're just soiled by the worst. And yeah, that's what Danny right. calls his, his place, is the weenie garage. <laughs> Come on down to the weenie garage. Party from nine to three question marks. <laughs> crazy. Well, um, yeah, it's it, 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 it's it's insane. And uh, um, uh, but uh, how have you been survived? I mean, for, I want to get a little of your biography. In yes. I know we have like a million questions for you, but if you want to. Yeah, I mean, do which, which part like do you want? What do you want to know? I'll tell you anything you want to know. Well, here's the thing. I know about The Daily Show and I think a lot of people who know you know about The Daily Show. I mean, I didn't know as much about your relationship to Matter, like what how you brought the, like what she's talking about now. So can you describe yeah. that for our so audience? That's a really fun story. So, yeah. um, you know, it was so when it was interesting, I left The Daily Show and I did some projects. Um, and then when, you know, when 9-11 happened, for people who did any kind of like social commentary or political satire, like nobody was buying TV shows like that anymore. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah. oh my God, my niche has gone like into the gutter. Yeah. And so I was just making money doing like really bad, like spring break, producing really bad spring break shows. And like, they were <laughs> like bad. Yeah. So I'm home. And I'm like, I can't do 
another show that makes me need to take a silkwood shower. Like I just <laughs> cannot do it. And so Where it's I like just, so many STDs just Oh my god, so many showbiz STDs. So I'm home and I get a call from this guy who says, Hi, my name is John Stinton and I work in radio. And um, I got your number from Al Franken because we're launching a progressive radio network and we're looking for a Liz Winstead type <laughs> to run our network. Like, and there's nothing like, more flattering all, than that. <laughs> right. It's like, what does that mean exactly? Um, because um, yeah. is there something wrong with the actual Liz? Like, I, I was very <laughs> unclear. Yeah. And he was like, well, we just, you know, we didn't know that if you would want to leave TV and come to radio. And I was like, yes. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. And he's like, and and here's the other thing. Get me out of Daytona, please. <laughs> I have to move back to New York. And I was like, oh, darn. Yeah, exactly. So, um, so they were launching this massive radio network and they wanted me to be the program director and to have a show. Um, and I was like, that is so cool. And so uh, I'm, I'm program directing and I'm, I'm setting up all these shows and I haven't found co-hosts for my show. And my desk is piled up terrible ideas like yeah. just like jerry springer and like just like like there was radio people who were not that smart and yeah. they were trying to launch a radio network and it was terrible so i was like you know jerry springer wrote checks for hookers and got busted and was no longer the mayor of cincinnati and yeah. i feel like if you're pitting people of color against other people of color you're not really that progressive but i don't know maybe jerry springer's well, not going to be my co-host but I, interestingly <laughs> enough i believe we have jerry springer here guy can you put jerry springer up? <laughs> yeah, get oh, jerry sorry. springer up hi jerry it was so great because i'm going to get to there's a there's an epitaph <laughs> with jerry springer that you will not believe I can't. So, <laughs> i'm um i've got piles of tapes and demo tapes on my desk and every person on the planet i know has called me to say, I have a really talented friend who I think if you just listen to them, they'd be great. And I was like, I'm sure you do. <laughs> oh, one of my friends that called me said, I have a really talented friend. And this is my friend who was like my gay, like, like I met him when I was young and he was like one of my first gay friends who like, he kind of came out and like, it was like a big deal. And then he ditched me and moved to Western Massachusetts to go apple picking and become a hippie. And it was really obnoxious. <laughs> so he had a friend and I was like, I don't want to hear about your friend. So then we're like a month and a half to launch this network and I still don't have a co-host. So I listened to his friend's demo and his friend was Rachel Maddow. <laughs> and so I was like, I called up Rachel Maddow and I was like, Hi, it's Liz Winstead. I'm Paul Teeling's friend. And I just heard your demo and you're great. Do you think you could come down and um, talk to us? She goes, I can be there in three hours from Western Massachusetts. She hopped on the bus wow. and um, we talked and she was great. And, she and I was like, you're hired, ma'am. And so she was hired. And then um, it turns out our other co-host was Chuck D from Public Enemy. Oh, loved him, loved him. Oh, so that was a crazy show we did for two years. And then we had these grifters that owned the network and it was nuts because it was like our show and then Mark Marin was the morning show person and Jimmy Buffalo and Sam Cedar, like it was a great lineup. Wow. Yeah. 
and this dog. And, um, <laughs> but it was run by literally people who were like lying grifters who said they had money and didn't. And so all the bills like came yep. due and like they couldn't pay people. And so they had to lay people off. So the president of the network um, said, and I quote, humor isn't really a valuable tool for social change. So what we're going to do. <laughs> well, talk about the smartest off, person ever. Right? Lay you off. Uh, get rid of Mark Marin and oh. all the comedy writers. And then we're going to move Rachel Matter to five in the morning. And we're going to replace your show with who? Jerry there was one thing I thought that I could lay in the middle of a highway and guarantee I wouldn't be hit and that would be that Jerry Springer would ever take a job from me I was like yeah. for sure one thing that will never happen in my career those two that. circles don't seem to intersect in the Venn no diagram. there was no Venn diagram and then the Venn diagram became very real how, how is that not your bio on social media? <laughs> I know, right? It's too many characters. Rachel <laughs> must have been just out of college at that point, right? She, went to she was, um, no, like she was a few years out of college and she was, she entered a radio contest in Western Massachusetts and got a job. She had gotten her master, no, her PhD in public policy. Like That's she's right. a Rhodes Scholar. And, um, and she was doing like work on AIDS in the prison system and stuff. That's and funny. she was cleaning pools in Western Massachusetts and met her partner, Susan. And um, they were been together ever since. So I think she was in her late 20s. Oh, wow. Okay. Because I, I remember when she first started popping up on uh, Keith Olbermann. Yeah. And it was like being filling. And yeah. then, it was like, but even like she was just like one of the boxes. She was one of the talking heads at that point. Yeah. And I thought, like, I want more. Who's that smart lady? Yeah. I want to hear what that smart lady is saying. Yeah. Um, and, Just, like, uh, clever, no-nonsense. Yeah. Like, she was also a regular on Tucker Carlson's show. When he had a show on MSNBC, she would go on and debate him. And people that's forget right. that. That's right. I actually yeah. do remember that. Yeah, yeah, I know. This was back in his bow tie days, too, wasn't it? Back in the BT. I just want to say, like, a lot of people are fans of Tucker now, but I've always been a fan. Like, I'm just somebody who I've been, like, I've been with him from the beginning. Like, Danny's always like, know, he says what we're all thinking. You know, he like, says what we're all thinking, and it's just super hard to find authenticity now. And so it's really great to just um, have Tucker be Tucker. And um, I don't think anybody should try to put Tucker in a corner. I was a little disappointed that that Chinese rocket didn't land on him, the space junk. I felt like it's going <laughs> to. I thought the Chinese rocket was close and was like, I don't want to deal with that. Fuck it. Said, no, fuck it. Indian yeah. Ocean. The ocean. Even the Chinese rocket is distancing itself right. from Tucker okay. Carlson. Yeah. <laughs> I spend a lot of time thinking about how all the accidents he could get into in the day. It's, it takes up a lot of brain space. Like I start seeing a clip of that show and I think frozen airline poop falls off, yeah. you know, something, um, <laughs> something fitting. And then, okay, so that goes, and then I just want to get like, and then I want to hear what you're doing now, but how did the Daily Show come about? And like, how, yes. how what, what was, what was the evolution of that? I mean, cause I know you did, you were, you, you know, you were, you created it and you were, it was, was it, and Craig Kilborn was the host, like host and yeah, it was Craig, the whole thing. for like the people who don't, you know, have the full backstory. No, I know, you know, and it, and it's like, no one has the full backstory because guess what? 
whoever gives women the credit they deserve. Oh, right. No one. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like, whatever. I actually remember, Liz, when, when you came to Houston and I, you know, I remember listening to you speak at it and I'm sitting here learning like, holy shit, I didn't know that. <laughs> like, no one I, knows. Had, I didn't know. Like, you, I was sitting there with my jaw dropped in the back, like, what the fuck? Like, yeah. I had no idea that, you know, like. I mean, people, I know. And that's like, and, and you know, and I just always say to people, you know, ask yourself why that might be. It's kind of not great. Anyway, yeah. so how it happened is, so I was doing my stand-up. Yeah. And my stand-up had transitioned from kind of just regular old stand-up and observational humor and stuff to kind of really hitting politics hard. Like I had sort of an awakening during the first oh. Gulf War. And um, so I was doing one person shows and all this stuff. And so everyone in the comedy community kind of knew me as somebody who was like responding to the world and doing that stuff. Yeah. And I happened to, and John and I had worked on a pilot together before and we were friends. Uh -huh. um, and so I moved into an apartment building right at the same day that Madeline Smithberg, who was my co-creator Daily Show, yeah. was moving in also. She was my downstairs neighbor. And so we just happened to do that. And they had needed a segment producer at Jon Stewart's old show. And so I was like, she was like, do you want to be a segment producer on the Jon Stewart show? And I was like, I don't know what that is, but okay. I literally didn't even know how to type. And so I uh, had my boyfriend, who was a producer at CBS News at the time, um, teach me how to work the program that was how I wrote in my intros and outros and did the script. And well, then- not, Like I say, behind every great woman, but go on. Yeah. yeah. I know, is a, guy who, uh, who, is a guy who you were dating who turns out to be gay. Uh, <laughs> that's I have a needle pointed on a pillow at my place. I, I was going to say that growing up, that was at my house. Like on our, I mean, house. if that isn't on a you know Whitman sampler, I don't know what should be. Uh -huh. um, so I was, uh, I did. We did the John Stewart show together, and that was really fun. And then that got canceled, and John got tied up in a deal with Letterman for two years. We theorized that Letterman was so terrified. Of this guy would be on the market yeah. that he wanted to take him off the market. Yeah, you can uh, see. But our bosses um, at the John Stewart show uh, were made the heads of Comedy Central, and so they called wow. up Madeline and I and said, "Hey, we want to do a show that's uh, a show that's like, you know, response to the news." And so I was like, "Oh my god!" And they said, "And we want you guys to do it." And then I was like, oh my God. And so then I said, you know, the media is as terrible as what's going on in the news. And I think the media should be a character. And the one thing that no one's really ever done is created a, an actual news show that is hilarious that if you turned it down, you wouldn't know it was a parody. Exactly. Right? And then they were like, that sounds fun. And I was like, that does sound fun. No idea what I'm talking about. Right. I'm just saying words. And sure. they were like, oh my God, you need to be the head writer. And I was like, of course. And then I was like, what, am, what are they talking about? Never had written anything. I have no idea, but okay, I'm going to act like a dude. Yes, I should be the head writer. There's nobody that knows more about this shit than me. Meanwhile, I'm like, I know nothing about this shit. So then um, they said, and this was unbelievable to anybody who knows anything about television. 
we don't think we should pilot this because how would you know in a pilot, let's just give it a year commitment and let it grow on the air. Wow. <laughs> and it was like, what is, ha- what is happening Holy right shit, now? You fall in it. What is happening? They're giving right. a person who knows nothing about anything a show for a year. What <laughs> are you talking about? So we made the great decision to hire 80% disgruntled journalists <laughs> who are the most funny people <laughs> ever. They just know how to write. They just, they're just angry. And, yeah. and we blew the lid off of, you know, just kind of like media suck uppery um, media makers. And yeah. we followed the trajectory of the media. Cause when we launched and a lot of folks forget, like, CNN was the only cable channel, right? you know? So we were really focusing on like, there was like 17 news magazines on TV. They, like, and they would do those, you know, your mattress, what you don't know might kill you. You know, just yeah. like terrible right. fear-based garbage yes. pieces. Right. And so, but we launched in July. This is the 25th anniversary of The Daily Show, by the way, uh, this year. Yeah. Um, and... So we launched in July. By the end of July, there was MSNBC. And then in October, Fox launched. And so all of a sudden, there was this inordinate amount of time to fill of the media, of of cable news. And we just followed all their stupid-ass trends. You know, they would have, like, the trial of the century of the week. Like, you know, like, what are you talking about? And like the (laughs) the storm shit was really crazy and the car chases were really crazy. And so we just, and I think the Daily Show has followed that particular part of the model. You know, they've just really followed how the media does stuff. Yeah, they evolved or devolved as uh, as media did. Like they, 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 it it was always conversant in the times. And you can see that going through. I mean, there were things, old show, there's one thing, I had a friend, I, I, I run into him, he's a director now, but Michael Blyden, who I know you Michael are. Blyden was really great on, the, on our show. I, I love him. Those, those clips where he would do these sincere breakdowns of music videos and yes. what they were trying to say. And, yes. it was, and he was so earnest and funny. And um, yeah, you did. Yeah, and, and the thing about The Daily Show, because I have a personal, like, one of the first shows I ever worked on, and this is going back, this has got to be, I came out here in 19, at the end of 87, and they tried to do a daily show. Like this idea had been in the ether for a long time and no yeah. one could pull it off. Right. No one could. And um, everybody underestimated how good, it, you know, how difficult it would be and what you needed and what took it and didn't yeah. have the right mind. And you're right. The fact that you had real journal, disgruntled journalists and yeah. you, you, you found that secret sauce. I mean, I knew what an achievement that was. And frankly, in every iteration of it, I mean, because I really liked the Craig Kilborn era of it. I thought it was like, because it was like, there'd been nothing like it. And right. obviously when Jon Stewart came in, it became this other thing. It became... Yeah. Yeah. It became the Daily Show. In yeah. Like the, the, I'll, I'll actually say when I was, you know, I was a, I was a television news producer and when I was, I spent seven years doing that. And that's when, you know, during that time is when I got on Twitter and, and that's when I, you know, got a following and everything, but it, it was all kind of based on, I feel like I was kind of taking a page from the daily show of like, I would sit there and write 
my, you know, like whatever story I'd write it. And then I'd stop and have to write a joke about it on Twitter. Like I needed to like have an outlet and, and every news producer I worked with, it was like, that was our, you know, of all the, you know, the monitors we have in the newsroom, we always had to have the daily show on because it was like something that gave us a, a sense of normalcy from writing all these horrific things every day, you know, and it's like to have this show that gave, you know, I, it, I think I was kind of like mentally healing in a way to have, you know, to, to be able to like take something that can be serious, but like find the humor and find the funny in it. And it, and like he's a disgruntled journalist. I think that's, you know, every, every person that's also you, you didn't, in you journalism. Didn't, you didn't wink at the camera. Like, I think like a lot of the people who've gone on to great stardom, through by becoming correspondents on that show. Mm-hmm. But like, I'll trace them back. Like, I, I some of the stuff that Brian Unger was doing on your show. Brian was, Unger, the man who was my boyfriend, who's now gay. Oh, I did not know he's- Shut up. Oh my God. I oh yeah, up. he's got a fabulous partner. We're like, oh, we, were, we are partners for, but yeah. so deadpan and, and, and the way he goes, like, I think like people like Colbert and, and all these, like he set that template so well. Ryan Unger, people need to understand. He, he came from CBS News. Yeah. He worked with Keralt. He mm-hmm. worked with everybody. And Brian set the tone and set the character. I, I agree, I say it all the time. <laughs> has come through. In fact, I'm excited because for the 25th anniversary, Madeline and I, Brian, A. Whitney Brown, and Beth Littleford are oh. all getting together to do a rush tick show to talk about just how the show oh, that- came to be. Because Brian couldn't, nothing, The Daily Show couldn't have happened if Brian Unger didn't take that job because he trained everybody. He trained every producer on how to do three-point lighting on what stuff needed to look like and how you needed to be. And he was the one who hammered into everyone's head, have the confidence, that when you say it straight, but it's so fucked up, but that is where the humor comes. You don't need to wink at anybody, nope. trust your audience, nope. just do it. And then just let the characters reveal who they are and treat everything that they say as though they are doing some groundbreaking yes. thing. Yes, yes. and I, 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 I... I always, I, it's, it's funny because I always credit him and we'll put a link to this rush ticks thing when you have it on this episode. Yeah, I, was, I, 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 I would, I used to think like the, all the correspondence reminded me of Leslie Nielsen. Well, yes. it was, was that similar? They owe that, I agree, Jenny. It was like- There was just that, yeah. There, and it was like, I, I kind of, I would remember my parents saying like, cause I love Airplane, that's my all time favorite movie. And they were like, you know, he used to be a serious actor. And I'm like, yo, I didn't know that. And but I, I'm in like, the Tammy movies. <laughs> but he just, yeah. just kept doing exactly that. Yes, well, with he comedy, was, like he never changed his yeah dramatic and it, part, and it was fantastic. And it was so cool to um, to really have these different kinds of of ways that journalism goes right. Mm-hmm. And Beth yeah. Littleford was doing this Barbara Walters thing where we literally destroyed a $15,000 camera by putting Vaseline on the lens. <laughs> I, I totally forgot about that, but I remember how, I remember how it would get like she would get. It's absurd. It was totally absurd. That's so yeah. fucking funny. And, and it was, in, and I love to, even like, you know, and, and with Kilborn, you know, you didn't know if he was in on the joke 
or if he was the dumbest person alive and that made it really fun. And right. then I did love the evolution when John came on of like where John became sort of the voice of the viewer and then the correspondents remained total dipshits, but right. there was somebody who was- He was playing. our entry point. He was your entry point. I agree, I agree. And I think that did, I, I mean, John lets you in a lot more than Craig does in terms of yeah. it. Like, and, and and I think that was like a interesting mix. I mean, I thought it was like, it, it worked and I, and obviously, you know, John's brilliant. So he was able to also, I mean, his, you know, his take on things was also brilliant. You know, well, like, and I think he had a take where Craig, you know, we wrote, Craig, we wrote for, right? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And we kept that mystery. And it was very, it was much more like Colbert where there was never a crack right. in, the, in the system. Yeah. And so, um, and so John was a person who had a take and could have his take and call out like, that can't be right. And then the correspondence would be like, say yeah. their crazy ass thing and just stay stay in character and i and i love that evolution and now we have trevor who is yeah um simply himself as well and the correspondence yeah. are goofy but trevor's a different animal so i mean you know it i feel proud because the bones the bones of that show are still there and yeah. it, it just seems to just keep going and after 25 years a show that's been on the air you know it's like interesting because like i love the trolls on the internet who are like oh i the only thing i've ever heard you do is the daily show i'm like yeah, that's not, that. What a what a crappy one trick pony that is for me. Like, what a burn, Doug from yeah, Idaho. With three followers. Wow. I mean, yeah, it's like yeah, fucking what Warren a, Michaels. <laughs> show. Yeah. What a uh, loser! One show. I, I by the way, even when people do like when people diminish like in music a one hit wonder, right. it's like that's one more hit than you have. Right. <laughs> It's like for for one moment, everybody was singing that song. You don't have that. Yeah. So fuck you. Okay. Yeah, exactly. And it's also too like, you, that person probably has two houses and like is yeah. living large, loving life. And yeah. who wouldn't want a job where you just did one thing in your life and oh then God. you could coast? Absolutely. Yeah. And then Isn't every that what we're all looking like, for. Yeah, every sitcom, it's like, hey, can we use that song in this show? Oh, was it? Boop, boop. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're watching a, you know, a Tide laundry soap commercial. There's that song. That's right. <laughs> it's like if you you're, you play the lottery, dude, you're doing pull tabs for some reason, like that you want to hit it big. Well, that person did. And yeah. you're in the bar playing pull tabs, trying to do the same thing, except you have no skills. Right. <laughs> okay, so now, so now we're coming out of pandemic. Yes. You want to get... What, what are you, so what's on, what's on the horizon for a Liz Winstead? What's going on? And more importantly, can you hire us? No, okay. Yeah. I mean, um, are there, uh, what, what, what's coming no, up? What he means is me, not him. He's fine. Um, I need, yeah. So, you know, I, I made a super bold leap in around 2012. I had a book come out and then I was like, what am I going to do next? And Oh, if I tell you, and your book, by the way, let mention your book and we'll put a, a link so people can. But yeah, my book, Liz Free or Die. Yes. So right. I wrote a series of essays that kind of lay out like who I was as a kid, how I evolved into sort of feminism and activism, how that became TV, yeah. and, you know, and how it all just sort of came together. And so the natural evolution for me, you know, when I was trying to figure out what to do next, it dovetailed with this incredible assault on reproductive rights 
And yeah. one thing that was just really true in all of the iterations of my comedy is a good tool for social change thing. Right. Everybody always said, the one thing you can't talk about is reproductive rights and abortion. And I was like, why? There's just as many bad guys. And it would be, it, and it was like funny because it would either be, well, it's too controversial or it was, are men really gonna care? And I'm like, uh, nobody ever got pregnant from a vibrator so they should care. Yeah. So um, I decided that I wanted to use humor to expose all this garbage around access to birth control, reproductive health rights and justice. And so I started a comedy nonprofit with a whole bunch of people who work in showbiz uh, called Abortion Access Front. And we, we make really hilarious videos that sort of like expose all this stuff. And then we do interviews with people who um, are providers and people who work in the movement. And then we tour the country doing this crazy comedy music show and then interview the clinics on the ground. And then wow. our audiences for our fun shows get to hear what's at stake. And then they sign up right in the room to volunteer with these folks. And on top of that, this is my favorite part because um, I'm crafty. Um, <laughs> we go in and we work on the clinics. Like if they need a paint job, if they need their lawn mowed, because what folks don't understand is if you provide abortion care in a hostile state, you can't get a plumber. You can't get someone to fix your fence because of what you do. Right. So we will go in and do the necessary repairs. And then we talk about it on stage. And then the audience hears that. And then all of a sudden they have a new plumber. They have a new person. And I'll yeah. never forget this guy in Oklahoma was like, are you telling me activism is I get a new client and I just go and I am their lawn care person. And I said, yeah, your act of parking your van in front of a clinic and saying, I support them and I'm doing their lawn yeah. is activism. And so it's really fun. And um, with when COVID hit, you know, that stopped. And so what we did was we started pairing up people and organizations with clinics, with wish lists, with a mutual aid program that's been really fun. And so people have adopted clinics and have taken sort of some of that stuff. And then we're training cool activists on the ground, how to use humor to like fight all these terrible bad guys. I got a pitch, um, Habitat for Fertility. That's okay. basically, <laughs> that's right. Well, it's funny that you say that because we say it's a combination of the of a USO tour and Habitats for Fertility. <laughs> I like Habitats for Fertility. <laughs> I don't know. I'm just, I'm pitching. I'm like, you know, I look, no, I've been, I I'm rusty. Yeah, I'm rusty, rusty. rusty. Uh, Here's the coolest part. Here's the coolest part that I'm going to drop because it was like the coolest thing that happened this year was um, so through the course of touring over the past five years and us getting to know all these people who escort patients into clinics, you yeah. know, they're very in tune with all of these protesters who come and stand outside of their clinics and scream and they get to know them. And they were like, you know, they're just everywhere and they would give us information and we started a database. And then we started cross-referencing this database that some of the people that were in Milwaukee were traveling to Mississippi and bothering the people in Mississippi. So we started these fake Facebook accounts where we started following these people and joining their churches. And so for years we are undercover. So around January 4th of this year, mm -hmm. uh, we saw that many of them had said they were gonna go to Washington DC. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so when to they- tour, by the way, just DC, to make that clear, they just wanted to tour the Capitol. Yes. yes. When they showed up in D.C. and started posting themselves with their flags, breaking into the Capitol, 
we pulled all of their video and all wow. of their stuff from Facebook before they could take it down. And we turned 30 people into the FBI. Oh um, my God. It was so cool. Yeah. It was oh my God. Cool. Yeah. Just so because were- we've been following them and making fun of them. We also had these secret accounts that were following their every moves. And now we have tied them officially to white nationalist organizations. And um, that part was like chef's That's kids. delicious. So you were able to like take down terrorists basically. Yes. That That's all just being goofy comedians who decided a database is good. You know, hey, we have people who are organized who just wanted to like cross reference right. all That's- of the stories we'd heard. And mm-hmm. then um, it was pretty, it was pretty dope. That is that's remarkable, man. That is really that badass. Is very, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's pretty great. And then, um, yeah, so that and that's that. And we're gonna launch a show called Feminist Buzzkills Live, um, a YouTube show in October. That's gonna be a thirty-minute weekly show where we have music. It's kind of like it's gonna be sort of like funny with feminist issues. It's gonna be like the View without all of the baggage of Meghan McCain and her baby bow. Oh. So I think it'll be fun. <laughs> Good. Well, that's. That's awesome. Well, speak, okay, let's. We, that's a good transition, and we're going to link to all of that. And I personally want to watch all that stuff. So, so yes. you're like, speaking of Megan McCain and baby. Speaking so, of Megan McCain, let's get to some TV talk. So let's. Talk, <laughs> we, this is a part that we're talking about things we're watching or have watched during the thing. What is yes. the thing that you watch? You know, it can be something you loved, something you're embarrassed. But what what's that thing you would say? Hey, you should check this out. Not what, what's that one thing? What do you tell your friends? Have you seen this? So. Here's what's interesting is because I consume so much information and all of a sudden the pandemic happened Mm -hmm. and I was like, what am I going to just like chill on? Right. And I went to, because I don't even know if I can recommend this shit because it's so weird. Like I went into the photo like Riverdale space, the bold type. Like I went hard into like, Teen, the Outer Banks. I don't know if you've even heard of these. I haven't heard of all of these. Yeah, Yeah, I know. I I mean, I heard. I'm aware of them without having watched them. Yeah, teens who are solving crimes apparently is my jam, Um, (laughs) and I love it. And I'm like obsessed. But I also love like the touching ones. Like, if I had to recommend a show that I was like, this show is groundbreaking. I think Pen Fifteen. Agreed. Yes. Um, the coming of age of middle schoolers and to so brilliantly find the nuance and to have 35-year-old women uh, able to do that. And then have them disappear into the role. Like you literally disappear with those other kids. It's, I think it's the most groundbreaking comedy. I 100% agree. And I feel it's like, it's touching, it's, um, it's smart. It's you know cross cultural. It's yeah. just there's nothing like it. Not you can't set in now either, which I also love. Yeah. And so I just, I just think that if I was to recommend a show, it is just that one for the win. I love it so much. That show like got me. I mean, it's just so many things about it got me. But I remember watching my daughters. I have twin daughters. And when they were young, they, they they were played pretend games a little longer than some of their savvier friends. And I do remember at the house when they had their Polly Pockets or dolls out, and some other girls coming in and going, oh, you still play those games. And I swear, I wanted to just like 
get the fuck out of my house, yep. you little bitches. Leave yep. my daughters alone. You unimaginative twats, get the fuck out. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, I, and it's interesting because the cringe factor is so intense. Like, I remember uh, watching the comeback, yeah. and I remember the cringe yeah. factor in the comeback was um, yeah. was so profound in a different way yeah. um, just because the desperation of, of yes. all of what that is and someone's self-perception that is so off in Hollywood is so real. I know. And so it was this cringe factor that was like, I could relate to on some levels or I've worked with that person or I've exactly. worked with horrible writers and meanness. But the cringe factor where it is, that was me. And I know like when they show you the thought process that gets you to all of that and the back terrible decision is horrible. Yeah. And seeing just the brutality of the, it, I just- All of it. Yeah. Love it, love it, love it. I really, really think it's just um, it's special. It's a special it's, show. Yeah, that it's, show and Ted Lasso, I think, are are two I, shows that I make me watch feel. Ted. We got everybody on here has talked about how much they love Ted Lasso, so it's time for me to watch it. Yeah, oh, Ted Lasso. No, it is. It's, it's every. Go ahead, Jenny. I was. It's like it's the most feel good thing. Like you, you can't like, especially during this time right now. That everyone it like to have somebody's cup constantly being full, not even half full. Like yeah. finding the positive, and I'm friends with uh, the guy who plays Roy Kent. His name is Brett Goldstein, phenomenal actor, and I I can't say enough nice things about that show. I think it's great. It's brilliant, and, it, and it's just like it should be so sappy, and it just never it, it never, never gets there. You know, yeah. and I'm like, oh my god. It never gets there, and I love it. And sex education is another one that I just think is I have to yes. see that, that I haven't seen profoundly great and original and fun. And I think that there is just so many. I just love that there's so many levels of shows that are fall, you know, that aren't comedies, they are or dramas. They're both they're that both. are encompassing this full life, yes. right? And so. And from a singular point of view, like you can tell that these shows are from a point of view, like, and they're like, it's not like they haven't been networked and, and, and crowd tested. They're none of those things. Jenny, what have you been watching? I'm all about hacks right now. Me too. Oh, is that good? I want to watch that. I just heard Gene oh. Hart on NPR. Four, oh, four so episodes good. out so far. Go on. Yes. It's so yeah, good. I, I, I can't say enough nice things about it. You know, um, Daniel, her friend, Caitlin Olson is just, Oh my God. Um, I mean, she's so brilliant. I, Jean Smart is, I, literally the whole time that Danny, you know, every time I'm watching, I'm like, is that my mom? It's, it's so, <laughs> she I looks like my mom. It, I have to tell you too, listen to Jean Smart's interview with Terry Gross. Oh, I will. Because she I will talks do. about her personal tragedies that have been happening during COVID and her having to film the last show right when her husband passed from COVID. Oh my God. And it's oh, unbelievable. Wow. It's it's like it it will make you love Gene Smart that much more. I'm gonna listen. And to I that didn't even car. know that that was possible. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'll it. Danny, what have you been? And so I obviously hacks. And the last thing I've been seeing, and I guess it's been out for a while, but I hadn't seen it. But boy, is it heartwarming and well acted. And it's it's a British drama. But Last Tango in Halifax. Has anybody? Oh, seen is that good? It's wonderful, and you have to okay. stick with it. But it's just. It's really like, it's a soap opera, but it's so, 
um, it's Derek Jack, Jack uh, Jacoby and um, and um, I can't remember the, the the woman's name, but it's just like it's two people who've been widowed, who um, who were like on a date when they were like 15 they're like in their 70s now and they find each other on facebook and immediately i'm gonna give me very much but get engaged and it's then their families around that but the families are also fucked up and they're trying to, it's just this very well acted and i'm only in i'm in season two they, they did it for i guess three seasons six episodes each it's one of those you know brit British things, but yeah. I'm really enjoying it. So where is that? Where can you? That's find? on Netflix. Okay. Well, I'm excited. I'm gonna watch that because fuck, you know, a little bit of fucked up can go a long way. I I tried to watch Shameless. I couldn't. I had Shameless a really hard time. Me too. There was so much fucked upness that I was yeah. like, I can't absorb this character because it's it's become a cart. It's all become this cartoon. Yeah. Movie. This when you go really too far with the fucked upness, it does become a complete. You're like watching The Simpsons, or like it gets too ridiculous. And I, I agree. Like I this couldn't. Really earned, and they're very good at sort of ending one episode with like a wow, really? It's like, and then and then building. I don't know if they'll sustain it for three. I can only tell you I'm into two episodes into this second series, but um, it's it's well done. But um, I don't know. I just want to just thank you, Liz Winstead, because this has been a fucking delight. I would love to talk what to you. What a fun podcast! Thank you for having me on. I love just blabbing with you, and I'm sad that I can't see your face, Jen. I'm sad I'm going to have to take... I'm sad that I have to go to the Apple Store and the Genius Bar to get my laptop I'm sad for you about that, too, actually. Yeah. In yeah, it's nice to hang out in a bar again, though. You'll have fun. Oh, I can't it's wait. I'm going to let him spit on my face. I'll just be so happy to be around people. Yeah, and Liz, we're going to put your you know social media. We'll link everything to the podcast. Is there anything you want to promote before we... Um, I would say, you know, I have a comedy special that's out right now called Corona Borealis. I actually shot a stand-up special in the middle of COVID on the shores of a lake with people in kayaks. And then I shot the second part of it in 19 degree weather with people around fires so I could do sort of a year in review. And that's on Vimeo On Demand. Um, it's in my it's in my link tree. You can get it off my link tree. Yeah. We'll put, we're gonna put that in. The, and that's, absolutely. Uh, that's actually really fun to be. Uh, it's really just fun to watch. And it's hilarious because I shot a comedy special in the woods on a lake. And the natural sound is crickets. And so <laughs> like, it, it was, <laughs> like I had to edit out crickets. I left some in, but I had to edit some out because it was too intense. That is my favorite thing. <laughs> The, the manifestation of that um, come to life. That just coming, yeah, that's fantastic. I was just worried that I was gonna, we ran everything on generators and I was worried that we were gonna run out of power. I did not even think that there would just be a cricket dilemma. Only a tumbleweed <laughs> went through. Then it right. you really, you really scored. Okay, yeah. we're, we're gonna all check that out. And, uh, and uh, oh, also if anybody on this Thursday, I will be at the Laugh Factory in Long Beach. If anybody's in Long Beach, come see me. You can watch me actually do comedy in person and not on Zoom. So that'll be fun. That's exciting. Yeah. And I'll just be lurking out there. Danny, what are you working on now? I don't know. Some pilots. I'm trying to get I'm trying to get work right now. So I've just yeah. been, I've been writing a few. You know, I did a couple pilots and we'll see. Yeah. It's a crapshoot. It's a cra I know it's such a tenuous time right now, but I mean, you're also brilliant that I am. can't wait for your next thing. Oh, that makes me. Yeah. yeah and, and likewise. Thank yeah. you again. Oh, thank, thank you, you so, so much, Liz. Love you. Appreciate you love being you. on. Appreciate and I love you, Jenny. I, I love, love you, Danny. Okay. Bye. Bye, guys. <laughs>
Bye. Thank you. Thank you.